Shattering the Glass Ceiling is a production of the Connecticut Democratic Party. I'm Tanaya Baker. And I'm Jacqueline Cozen. And we're your hosts for conversations with women who are the trailblazers, rising stars, elected officials, and campaign pros who make you say, I'm with her. Our guest today is Connecticut Lieutenant Governor Susan Bicewick. Well, thank you everybody for joining us on our second uh, podcast. Uh, today is a really exciting day. I think they all are, but uh, today's guest has been one of the most um, influential women in our state's politics. Uh, it's Lieutenant Governor Susan Bicewitz, uh, and we are so excited to have you here. Thank you so much uh, for taking the time. I know you have a hectic se- schedule, so thank it- you. Yeah, you know, it's a thank you so much for having me and love the fact that you are elevating and uplifting and hopefully inspiring more Democratic women to get involved in elective politics because my story could be your story. Yes, yes, yes. So I'll, I'll turn over tonight. I'm Jacqueline. Oh, for people listening, I'm Jacqueline Cozen, executive director, and I'm going to turn over to to Naya Baker, our operations director. Hi, again, thank you for um, coming and talking with us. So I'm just going to dive right into the questions. Uh, Our first question is, tell us about your life story. Like, where did you grow up? How was, you know, your childhood? Just let us know more about you and where where you first started. Sure. Um, So I grew up on a farm in Middletown, and it is the farm that my grandparents bought um, after they immigrated from Poland, and they bought this farm in the early 1920s, and what's interesting is before they were able to buy the farm, they both worked in a slaughterhouse in Chicopee, Massachusetts, moved to Middletown, Connecticut, and uh, bought the farm and began working the farm uh, where um, I grew up with my with my three siblings and I'm the product of public schools. I went to Middletown uh, Public Schools from kindergarten through um, high school. Uh, My kids went to the same schools that that I attended and shockingly even had some of the same teachers. (laughs) Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. The, uh, the, the teachers' conferences were always really interesting. Mr. I was going to say, did they, that you? did they give reports on you, what you were like in school? Did your. Oh, yeah, they did. They did. <laughs> they did. Um, but uh, anyway, um, so uh, I was really lucky to be raised by uh, two. Um, unusual parents. Not not many um, people have, in, at least in Connecticut, uh, are lucky to have a farmer and a small businessman. That was my dad. My dad was also a World War II veteran. And my mom was a lawyer at a time when not many women were lawyers. She went to law school in the early 1950s. Wow. And because law firms wouldn't hire women, she ended up teaching law as a law professor at the University of Connecticut Law School. And she became the first woman tenured law professor at UConn Law School. Wow, um, that is so cool. It is very cool. And that's how she became friends with Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Oh, wow. Uh, the, oh, wow. <laughs> the Justice. Yeah, because Ruth 
Bader Ginsburg had the same story. She graduated from law school in the early 1950s. Even though, like my mom, she was at the top of her class. Mm-hmm. She would, none of the big law firms in New York would hire her. Same for my mom in Connecticut. So she became a law professor. And that's how they became friends because guess what? In the 1960s and 70s, there weren't that many women law professors, right? So, wow, wow. Yeah. And so here, this is a fun story. So when I was in uh, college, um, in the 80s, my mom predicted that Ruth Bader Ginsburg would become the first female Supreme Court justice. Wow. Um, and I always said, Mom, she's been to our backyard for picnics. There's no way she's going to be on the Supreme Court. But, you know, you should always listen to your mom because <laughs> so moms are always right. Well, at least that's what mine tells me. But <laughs> Indeed. And, yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. <laughs> nice, nice. So what, what, what was your first political experience? I, I imagine having a mom like that, you probably have had many, but what do you remember as being like your first uh, political experience? So, you know, um, I have to say that I first thought about politics and civics when I went to Laurel Girls State at oh, the nice. University of Connecticut. And so every year, the American Legion in Every state in the country puts on a boys' state and a girls' state, and they get high school students from across each state. Girls go to girls' state, boys go to boys' state, and it happens after your junior year in high school, so the summer between your junior and senior years. And so the year I went, uh, it was being hosted, girls' state was being hosted at UConn, And I remember being in Jorgensen Auditorium. Yeah, with 200 really kind of giddy, um, noisy high school girls. And this hush fell. And I looked around to see what was the cause of the hush. And it was Ella Grasso, who was the governor striding in this very purposeful way that she had down the main aisle of Jorgensen Auditorium and all these high school girls just thought, uh-oh, she's somebody important. We better, we better um, calm down. And um, she talked to us about what she did as governor and how she helped people and what policies she was working on. And I remember having the thought at the time, oh, you know, maybe someday I would like to go into public service. So it was one of those moments where at the time doesn't strike you, but when you look back and, you know, like I'm one of those people who thinks there is a plan for all of us. We just don't know what it is in advance. Right. (laughs) I wish we did. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So. Wow. That's great that you actually brought up um, Governor Ella Grasso, because we were going to ask you about that next, because we know that you're known for your admiration for her. So mm-hmm. we just wanted to know what was it that drew you to her? And um, if you had any other role models that you kind of wanted to talk about, what drew you to them as well? Okay, well, thank you for that. Love that question. Um, so after I had had the opportunity to meet Ella Grasso when I was in high school, Um, When I was in college, um, I was studying politics and history, and I had to pick a senior uh, paper topic. 
And I remember I was starting to get a little worried because I hadn't picked a topic. And one day I was walking around in the biography section of um, the Yale Library and I came across a book called The Power Broker and not, uh, that was written by uh, Joe Lieberman, the person who, the one who used to be a Democrat, that one. And <laughs> I opened it up and this book fell to a page where there was a picture of Ella Grasso and John Bailey, who was the Democratic Party state chair. And they were both wearing their little reading glasses on their foreheads. And I looked at this picture and I go, ah, I am going to write my senior paper about Ella Grasso. So literally it was just like one of those things where sort of fate brought me to this, um, you know, to this topic. And so uh, I spent my senior year in college talking to Grasso family members, to people who had served with her in the legislature, in her uh, administration. And the reason I was drawn to her was she was literally a trailblazer in women in politics and Connecticut politics for women at a time when there were just a handful of women in our state legislature. Um, it was very unusual for women to be in elected politics. And so I wanted to find out what was it about her that made her so successful. And she was this very interesting mix of very folksy and homey. You know, she was the child of Italian immigrants. So she was somebody who, you know, you could, she could go to the Carmela coat factory where these Italian immigrant women sewed coats and talk to them in Italian, or because she went to Loomis Chafee and Mount Holyoke, you could drop her down with the Greenwich um, League of Women Voters or the Junior League, and she'd be equally at home there. So she was this um, very highly intelligent woman who had the ability to um, be comfortable in all of the different places and types of people that make up our diverse state. Um, and she served as a state representative like me and as secretary of the state like me. Uh, she went to Congress. I became lieutenant governor. She, beca she became governor after she was in Congress. Um, but uh, it, it's just a remarkable story about how the child of immigrants ends up um, becoming the first woman governor elected in her own right. So someone who didn't follow her husband into office, she did it herself. And that was um, what was unique. And when that happened in 1974, she made the she made the front page of Time Magazine, U.S. News and World Report, The Economist, um, all you know, even um, international publications were writing about her because she did something that no one else had done. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, and you mentioned um, she actually she was my inspiration as well. I remember being eight years old. And I remember her passing away and I can oh. remember, I, 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 you know, I'm eight, what do I know? But my parents always talked about issues and politics and the way they spoke about Ella Grasso was always so warm. And I remember thinking, I wanna do that. I, you know, they were talking about how she helped people and, and I just thought to myself, and I think about it now, I'm like, I just remember thinking, I wanna do that. I wanna help people. Um, right. 
So, and it's interesting you you mentioned John Bailey just because you know he was a a, a major force in Democratic politics, and I I have the power broker book as well. It's hard to find; you can't find it anywhere. But what I think, and I'm not sure you may know this better than me, but he had he was very instrumental in getting her elected. Like, oh yeah. So we should we should say a couple words about him because. Uh, this podcast is being hosted by the Connecticut Democratic Party, and he was the party chair for 30 years yeah. in Connecticut. And he was extremely successful in getting Democratic candidates um, elected. So he elected the first Jewish governor, Abe Ribicoff, yep. who uh, then became part of John F. Kennedy's administration because John Bailey was one of the first key supporters of John F. Kennedy, the first Catholic president. Yep. Um, and, you know, here's also the, the party chair who brought us the first uh, female governor elected in her own right. So he was someone who sort of had mastered the art of putting together statewide tickets that reflected diversity, both in terms of geography um, and race. Um, I think the conventions went a whole lot differently than they, um, <laughs> than they happen, you know, now <laughs> where, you know, we'll have four candidates vying for attorney general and five candidates who want to be treasurer and, you know, three candidates that want to be secretary of the state. Um, and so I don't, I don't think he'd like the conventions that we have now. Um, because back then, I think it was more like, um, okay, you know, we need someone from this area, and it would be great to have someone from this ethnic background. They just did it a, a, a lot differently, and it wasn't uh, quite so democratic with the small D then, but yeah, it worked for him. He was very successful. And I, I and what's interesting to me is, um, you know, here's somebody who worked on elevating people. And, you know, the people that sometimes right now feel pushed to the side and, and on the fringe. Um, so, you know, we had um, uh, a panel on sexism and politics talking about what can men do to help uh, be allies to women um, in uh, the political field. And I don't know if you have any um, thoughts on that um, or, you know, uh, you know, perspective on that, you know, being a woman, um, a strong woman in politics, and um, you've really come like so far in, in navigating the, the way through, um, you know, I, I don't know if you could speak to that a little bit. Uh, so on the question of what men can do to help women. Well, um, I think that men and women should encourage more women to get involved in politics at all levels uh, because you know men come up with the idea on their own whereas women have to be asked on average like seven eight times yes. before they say oh yeah i should do that because they think oh i need to get this degree first or i need to get that job first or take that seminar first no men don't think that way they just do it <laughs> and, right and women should um should should run at all levels and so 
Um, you know, my husband was the one who encouraged me to run for office. Cause even though, you know, I wrote that paper about El Grasso, then I went to law school and then I was working for a law firm and uh, got married, had a baby. And one day I was sitting at my kitchen table where I'm convinced every important thing in your life happens, right? That's so, why they call it a kitchen cabinet when you get your advisory team together. Exactly, exactly right. So I was sitting at my kitchen table and my husband was reading the paper and he said, look, our state representative is retiring. You should run for that. And I said, yeah, but we have a five month old baby. <laughs> and, you know, he made that suggestion. And over the next couple of days, I kept thinking, you know, um, I'm worried about what the public education system it was like in Middletown. I was worried about the decommissioning of a nuclear power plant that was happening across the river in East Haddam. Um, and so I thought to myself, you know, I am gonna stop worrying about these things for my daughter's future. And here's a way that I could actually do something for the future of my child and other people in my town. And so, um, you know, I think there should be uh, more David Donaldson's like my husband, people who will say, hey, you are a great advocate. You know, you have a lot of knowledge about the environment. You care about public health. You understand fiscal issues. You should run for office. Yeah. We need men and women encouraging women to do that. Uh, yeah, exactly. Thank you. Yeah. And I, I think it was a point that you brought up. Uh, being a mom because I, I'm a mom and I know that I take a different look in, into politics. I'm not in the same arena, but I, I know that a, lo a lot of women who want, who may want to take a political career and may have kids may have, you know, concerns about um, doing both. So I kind of wanted to know, yeah. What did you think about um, how do you balance being a mother and being a, a politician? And I'll tell you that everybody does it in a different way. So yeah. you should ask every <laughs> guest you have. Yeah. Um, so I was lucky because um, my mother-in-law uh, lived with us and um, she was so key in helping to care for my kids when they were little because um, my daughter Ava was five months old when I announced for state representative. Um, and then um, my other two children were born in my um, terms while I was in the, in the legislature, right? So um, I was so lucky that I was living in my hometown of Middletown where I had a big extended family and my mother-in-law and a very participatory husband. Um, it's funny you bring this up, Tanisha, because we have a bill on this and here's what it is. So the, the Council on Women and Girls is supporting legislation that would allow women who and men who run for the state legislature using the citizens election program to use some of the money for childcare expenses. Okay. Um, because to your point, childcare, not everybody has a mother-in-law um, who's retired, who can stay with their kids. And Johanna Hayes, I will point out when she ran for Congress, um, she was able to use some of her campaign funds for childcare expenses to take care of her eight-year-old son. Um, and if we allow it on the federal level, why wouldn't we allow it on the state level? And people like 
Gary Winfield, Senator Winfield and Representative Lamar have said that they would make use of childcare um, expenses if they were allowed by the Citizen Election Fund. Um, so, you know, uh, Tanisha, I, uh, I hope that passes. And if people are listening, um, uh, he, want to see that happen, they should call their legislators and tell them to support our legislation so that okay. we can get we can we can get Tanisha elected to the state legislature. That would be great. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that uh, Tanaya will be. Uh, I think she'll be running uh, sometimes. Well, <laughs> maybe not soon, but we've been. Uh, oh, you've been working on her. Okay. So so consider yourself asked several times, Tanaya. Yeah. No. She um and she feels a little uh she's shy. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, she doesn't seem very shy to me. What what town do you live in? New Haven. New Haven. New Haven. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Her mom's actually president of the board of aldermen. Uh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> she's got uh, she's got it in her blood. She, <laughs> okay, she's got the she's got the genetic makeup. No problem. That's great. So Taisha's your mom. Yes. <laughs> I love her. Okay. She is, she's an excellent role model to have. Yeah, right? she is. <laughs> excellent. Um, so, uh, you know, since talking a little bit about, uh, legislation, uh, what would you say is the, uh, you know, today, what do you, you know, especially as Lieutenant Governor presiding over the Senate, you kind of have a little bit of influence, uh, on policymaking. So, uh, what do you see the key policy issues affecting women? Um, and are there other legislative items that are up that you think would benefit women this cycle? So, um, I'll say broadly, we're in a she session, right? Because women have disproportionately been hurt, particularly women of color, by the uh, pandemic. Because look at the industries that women um, are in, hospitality, retail, social services, restaurant and hotel uh, management uh, and support. So that's where um, there were huge job losses. Um, and also, in addition to having women lose many jobs in the areas that I mentioned, a lot of women chose to drop out of the workforce because their kids were at home yeah. doing online learning and needed supervision. Um, and you know, you had a lot of women who also dropped out of the workforce because they had aging parents, sick, sick family members, all of that. So take that all together and you will see whether you look at state department of labor statistics or nationally, women were hardest hit. So the question is, what do we need to do to get us back on track? And so two things, child care, Affordable childcare is Absolutely. so important, right? Yeah. We've lost 40,000 childcare spots. So we do have the Council on Women and Girls has some uh, legislation that we put forward with Beth Bai, uh, our Office of Early Childhood Commissioner to make daycare um, and childcare more affordable and yes. encourage more women Yep. Um, to choose that as a small business opportunity. Um, and uh, amen, Rosa DeLauro, who has made sure that hundreds of millions of dollars are coming 
to Connecticut to um, help build back those childcare uh, options uh, because uh, we, we lost so many of those spots. And so that infrastructure, childcare, affordable childcare is really important to the reopening of our economy. So I put that at a very high priority on that. And then that's an important uh, short-term thing. Uh, an important other short-term thing is making sure that women-owned businesses and minority-owned businesses owned by women have uh, the resources they need to pivot in this um, economic situation. Yeah. And so we actually, um, our office and Fran Pastore of the Women's Business Development Council. Oh, she's awesome. Yeah, she is. She is. Yeah. So we came up with this equity match grant program. We raised half a million dollars and the governor and the Department of Economic and Community Development matched it dollar for dollar. So we have a million dollars that we are um, making available for women-owned and women of color who own businesses to use, to buy equipment, to um, create online platforms, to sell their goods and services. Um, and because we noticed looking at PPP and to see who got those SBA funds, 80% yeah. of the businesses were owned by white men. Uh, wow. And... 75% uh, of the businesses were owned by men. So we need to make sure that women businesses get funding that they need because women businesses, women-owned businesses didn't get their proportionate share. And here's the thing about women-owned businesses, for every dollar that they receive, almost all of that dollar stays right in the community because they're paying their employees, they're buying goods and services from other local businesses. So, you know, it just is, is a no brainer. Those yeah. are my two short term things. Long term, trying to get more women and young girls to go into, to start studying or go into the STEM fields, science, technology, engineering, and math, because those are high paying. And right now, women are 50% of the workforce but only 25% of the STEM jobs are held by women. So wow. we wanna address pay equity. That's like a really good way to do it. Wow. Get yeah. girls to be coding, to be interested in engineering and statistics and biotech and uh, all of that. So that is um, something that we're working on um, on the Council of Women and Girls for sort of more longer term uh, pay equity issues. Wow, awesome. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for that. And because I, I think it's important that you you mention all, all those goals because it's important for women to see that we have great women in office that will push these agendas that will like uplift us and support us. And hopefully it'll make them say, you know, I want to be just like her. I want to get in because I want to help advance women as well. So thank you for that. Absolutely. And people should know here in Connecticut, according to uh, the Connecticut Women's Educational and uh, uh, and Legal Fund that white women make 84 cents to the dollar a white man makes, black women 55 cents and Latina women 48 cents. So there is a huge, yeah. huge pay gap. And that's why to me, the fastest way to address that is get more women in those professions. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. 
So we're going to move on to some fun questions. Okay. <laughs> the first one is Hollywood is making a movie about you. What actress would you like to play you? All right. So <laughs> I, I thought about this and I'm going to pick two. One, Julia Roberts, because I always wanted to be taller. <laughs> Here's why I say that. Here's why I say that. Um, I just loved her in Erin Brockovich yeah. because she um, told the story of how Erin um, met with people who had been harmed by a huge company and nobody thought that she would be able to get hundreds of millions of dollars to um, attempt to repay them for all of the harm that they suffered. And she just did it with such fearlessness and tenacity. So I love Julia Roberts. And the other person I wanted to mention is Felicity Jones because she did a really good job playing Ruth Bader Ginsburg in On the Basis of Sex. So oh, I'll, wow. just, I'll yeah. just put in for those two. <laughs> well, they, I think those are absolutely perfect. That's awesome. <laughs> um, and so what music, I don't know, we all have anthems. I know you have, uh, you would come out uh, at convention to run the world yeah. by Beyonce. Anything with yes. Beyonce is perfect in my opinion. Yes. Um, so is there a particular music that you listen to, to like get yourself pumped up for election day or like a- Well, besides a Beyonce and run the world, which is my fave. Yeah. Um, I also really like everything by Helen Reddy. And I recently watched a biopic about her, but of course, uh, I am woman is, you know, the anthem for feminists. And so um, I think she's, I think her music is great for that. Yeah. I listen to that in the car actually too, sometimes when I need to get pumped up. <laughs> so um, yeah. Yeah. No, thank you. Perfect. Perfect. Um, we just have um, one more uh, closing out question. Uh, what would be the top three pieces of advice uh, you would get for women who would want to work in politics? Um, well, the, the, I think uh, the reason I love politics and public service is because you get to meet people you never would, would have met and to go to places you never would have uh, visited. So it's an amazing blessing to be able to do public service and, and politics. And I guess I would say first um, that you should just start by volunteering, be an intern at the state legislature, for your congressman, for your local mayor, for selectmen. You could uh, volunteer or intern in an official um, state or local office or federal even, or you could volunteer on a campaign. Um, and I did all of those things. I, I interned for a mayor's office. I worked on a local mayor campaign in, in my hometown. I worked for uh, a congressman as an intern um, and for Senator Chris Dodd. Um, and I've had many interns as a state representative, as secretary of the state, and as lieutenant governor and our interns are amazing and they have gone on to run for state representative or mayor or town council. Um, so I would say uh, volunteer um, at whatever level because what I find is 
um, you will be so engaged and you will see how your time and talents make a difference. The other piece of advice I would say is uh, find a mentor. Uh, and, you know, uh, you're lucky your mom is, <laughs> can be just one of many mentors. And she's, you know, the highest elected woman in New Haven politics. So that's pretty cool that your mom is, uh, is at that level. But, but have a mentor. Um, because it's really good to be able to say, hey, what do you think about this? What would you do in this situation? I've been very blessed to have mentors along the way. And now I have the uh, great pleasure of, of mentoring other people like state representatives, um, mayors, um, who will ask me about uh, various things. Um, so uh, volunteer, uh, be a mentor. And then the other thing I would just say is, if you want to run for something, don't be discouraged. It's not going to be easy, but if you execute the plan, and that's the great thing about the Democratic Party in Connecticut is we'll tell you how what the plan is. If you want to run for state representative, mayor, town council, whatever it is, the Democratic Party can help you with the plan, but it's going to take your energy and persistence to execute it. And if you execute it, and you do it right, you'll be successful. Great. Great. And if I could just ask, because um, you know, this past legislative uh, cycle, a number of women who ran once and were not successful ran again and were successful. And I know you probably throughout your career had times where things didn't go in your exact direction. Mm -hmm. What what advice would you give to those women? That, you know that yeah. like keep going and. and you know, I'm so glad you brought that up because Eleni Cabro de Grath is yes. an example of someone who came within a whisker yep. um, and then second time she did it. Yep. Um, and so I would say, you know, if you come close, please think about trying it again because often you're a better candidate. Um, now you know what to do having gone through it once um, just start a little earlier. You'll already have a cadre of volunteers and supporters. We had some, Jen Leeper is another example of yeah, Mary Wielander. Mary Wielander. Yeah. There, I, I can think of examples of people like John Michael Parker as well. Saud Anwar. Saud ran for state rep, then he won for state senate. Yeah. Right. He, but he, but he did win for mayor after he lost for state representative. Right. So there yeah. are so, um, so, so don't be discouraged. I, I have won 10 elections. I lost one. Um, you know, but if you, if you work hard and, and you persist and you do want to pub, do public service, um, the beautiful thing about public services are so many different ways to help people, whether it's at the local level, the state level, um, the federal level. And if you have any questions or you think you might want to do it, just give the Connecticut Democratic Party a call. <laughs> we are here. We can help you. <laughs> yes. We no. want to help because we need more Democrats at all levels. Yes. <laughs> Always need more blue. Especially women. <laughs> exactly. Elect more women. You can bend but never break me Cause it only serves to make me More determined to achieve my stronger